Section 8 of the Critique of Practical Reason by Immanuel Kant, translated by Thomas Kingsmill Abbott. First Part Elements of Pure Practical Reason, Book 1. The Analytic of Pure Practical Reason, Chapter 2. Of the Concept of an Object of Pure Practical Reason, Table of the Categories of Freedom Relatively to the Notions of Good and Evil. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Quantity Subjective, according to maxims, practical opinions of the individual. Objective, according to principles, precepts, a priori both objective and subjective principles of freedom, laws. 2. Quality Practical rules of action, preceptive. Practical rules of omission, prohibitative. Practical rules of exceptions, exceptive. 3. Relation. To personality, to the condition of the person. Reciprocal. Of one person, to the others of the others. 4. Modality. The permitted and the forbidden. Duty and the contrary to duty. Perfect and imperfect duty. It will at once be observed that in this table freedom is considered as a sort of causality, not subject to empirical principles of determination, in regard to actions possible by it, which are phenomena in the world of sense, and that consequently it is referred to the categories which concern its physical possibility, whilst yet each category is taken so universally that the determining principle of that causality can be placed outside the world of sense in freedom, as a property of a being in the world of intelligence, and finally the categories of modality introduce the transition from practical principles generally to those of morality, but only problematically. These can be established dogmatically only by the moral law. I add nothing further here in explanation of the present table, since it is intelligible enough of itself. A division of this kind based on principles is very useful in any science, both for the sake of thoroughness and intelligibility. Thus, for instance, we know from the preceding table, and its first number, what we must begin from in practical inquiries, namely, from the maxims which every one founds on his own inclinations, the precepts which hold for a species of rational beings so far as they agree in certain inclinations, and finally the law which holds for all without regard to their inclinations, etc. In this way we survey the whole plan of what has to be done, every question of practical philosophy that has to be answered, and also the order that is to be followed. Of the typic of the pure practical judgment. It is the notions of good and evil that first determine an object of the will. They themselves, however, are subject to a practical rule of reason, which, if it is pure reason, determines the will a priori relatively to its object. Now, whether an action is possible to us in the world of sense, comes under the rule or not, is a question to be decided by the practical judgment, by which it is said in the rule, universally, in abstracto, is applied to an action in concreto. But since a practical rule of pure reason in the first place, as practical concerns, the existence of an object, and in the second place, as a practical rule of pure reason, implies a necessity as regards the existence of the action, and, therefore, is a practical law, not a physical law, depending on empirical principles of determination, but a law of freedom, by which the will is to be determined independently on anything empirical, merely by the conception of a law, and its form, whereas all instances that can occur of possible actions can only be empirical, 
that is, belong to the experience of physical nature, hence it seems absurd to expect to find in the world of sense a case which, while as such it depends only on the law of nature, yet admits of the application to it of the law of freedom, and to which we can apply the supersensible idea of the morally good which is to be exhibited in it in concreto. Thus the judgment of the pure practical reason is subject to the same difficulties as that of the pure theoretical reason. The latter, however, had means at hand of escaping from these difficulties, which, in regard to the theoretical employment, intuitions were required to which pure concepts of the understanding could be applied, and such intuitions, though only of objects of the senses, can be given a priori, and, therefore, as far as regards the union of the manifold in them, conforming to the pure a priori concepts of the understanding and schemata. On the other hand, the morally good is something whose object is supersensible, for which, therefore, nothing corresponding can be found in any sensible institution. Judgment depending on laws of pure practical reason seems, therefore, to be subject to special difficulties arising from this, that a law of freedom is to be applied to actions, which are events taking place in the world of sense, and which, so far, belong to physical nature. But here again is opened a favourable prospect for the pure practical judgment. When I subsume under a pure practical law an action possible to me in the world of sense, I am not concerned with the possibility of the action as an event in the world of sense. This is a matter that belongs to the decision of reason in its theoretic use according to the law of causality, which is a pure concept of the understanding, for which reason has a schema in the sensible intuition. Physical causality, or the condition under which it takes place, belongs to the physical concepts, the schema of which is sketched by transcendental imagination. We have to do, not with the schema of a case that occurs according to laws, but with the schema of a law itself, if the word is allowable here, since the fact that the will, not the action relatively to its effect, is determined by the law alone without any other principle, connects the notion of causality with quite different conditions from those which constitute physical connection. The physical law, being a law to which the objects of sensible intuition as such are subject, must have a schema corresponding to it, that is, a general procedure of the imagination by which it exhibits a priori to the senses the pure concept of the understanding which the law determines. But the law of freedom, that is, of a causality not subject to sensible conditions, and consequently the concept of the unconditionally good, cannot have any intuition, nor, consequently, any schema supplied to it for the purpose of its application in concreto. Consequently, the moral law has no faculty but the understanding to aid its application to physical objects, not the imagination, and the understanding, for the purposes of the judgment, can provide for an idea of the reason, not a schema of the sensibility, but a law, though only as to its form as law. Such a law, however, can be exhibited in concreto in objects of the senses, and therefore a law of nature. We can therefore call this law the type of the moral law. The rule of the judgment according to laws of pure practical reason is this. Ask yourself whether, if the action you propose were to take place by a law of the system of nature, of which you were yourself a part, you could regard it as possible by your own will. Every one does, in fact, decide by this rule whether actions are morally good or evil. Thus people say, 
If every one permitted himself to deceive, when he thought it to his advantage, or thought himself justified in shortening his life as soon as he was thoroughly weary of it, or looked with perfect indifference on the necessity of others, and if you belonged to such an order of things, would you do so with the assent of your own will? Now every one knows well that if he secretly allows himself to deceive, it does not follow that every one else does so, or if, unobserved, he is destitute of compassion, others would not necessarily be so to him. Hence, this comparison of the maxim of his actions with a universal law of nature is not the determining principle of his will. Such a law is, nevertheless, a type of the estimation of the maxim on moral principles. If the maxim of the action is not such as to stand the test of the form of a universal law of nature, then it is morally impossible. This is the judgment even of common sense, for its ordinary judgments, even those of experience, are always based on the law of nature. It has it therefore always at hand, only that in cases where causality from freedom is to be criticized, it makes that law of nature only the type of a law of freedom, because without something which it could use as an example in a case of experience, it could not give the law of a pure practical reason its proper use in practice. It is therefore allowable to use the system of the world of sense as the type of a supersensible system of things, provided I do not transfer to the latter the intuitions and what depends on them, but merely apply to it the form of law in general, the notion of which occurs even in the commonest use of reason, but cannot be definitely known a priori for any other purpose than the pure practical use of reason. For laws, as such, are so far identical, no matter from what they derive their determining principles. Further, since of all the supersensible absolutely nothing is known except freedom through the moral law, and this only so far as it is inseparably implied in that law, and, moreover, all supersensible objects to which reason might lead us, following the guidance of that law, have still no reality for us, except for the purpose of that law, and for the use of mere practical reason. And as reason is authorized, and even compelled, to use physical nature, in its pure form, as an object of the understanding, as the type of judgment, hence the present remark will serve only to guard against reckoning amongst concepts themselves that which belong only to the typic of concepts. This, namely, as a typic of the judgment, guards against the empiricism of practical reason, which founds the practical notions of good and evil on experienced consequences, so-called happiness. No doubt happiness and the infinite advantages which would result from a will determined by self-love, if this will at the same time erected itself into a universal law of nature, may certainly serve as perfectly suitable type of the morally good, but it is not identical with it. The same tippet guards also against the mysticism of practical reason, which turns what served only as a symbol into a schema, that is, proposes to provide for the moral concepts actual intuitions, which, however, are not sensible intuitions of an invisible kingdom of God, and thus plunges into the transcendent. What is benefiting the use of the moral concepts is only the rationalism of the judgment, which takes from the sensible system of nature only what pure reason can also conceive of itself, that is, conformity to law, and transfers into the supersensible nothing, nothing but what can conversely be actually exhibited by actions in the world of sense, according to the formal rule of a law of nature. However, the caution against empiricism of practical reason is much more important, 
for mysticism is quite reconcilable with the purity and sublimity of the moral law, and besides, it is not very natural or agreeable to common habits of thought, to strain one's imagination to supersensible intuitions, and hence the danger on this side is not so general. Empiricism, on the contrary, cuts up at the roots the morality of intentions, in which, and not in actions only, consists the high worth that men can and ought to give to themselves, and substitutes for duty something quite different, namely, an empirical interest, with which the inclinations generally are secretly leagued, and empiricism, moreover, being on this account allied with all the inclinations which, no matter what fashion they put on, degrade humanity when they are raised to the dignity of a supreme practical principle, and as these nevertheless are so favourable to every one's feelings, it is for that reason much more dangerous than mysticism, which can never constitute a lasting condition of any great number of persons. End of section 8